Welcome back to the Prep Baseball Report California podcast. I am Les Lukach, and I'm pleased to be once again joined by Ryan Ozella, uh, our Northern California scout. Uh, Ryan had a very, very busy week last week, got out to games just about daily. Uh, but Ryan, I mean, you sat on five games in three days against some really, really good teams. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. It was a fun weekend. Uh, I got to see five games between uh, two of the best teams in California and then Carroll from South Lake, uh, South Lake, Texas. Um, the Dragons came out and they played five games over three days. Um, three really, really good, talented teams. Valley Christian up here in Northern California, Orange Lutheran down from your area. Um, and they all came up here and did a little round robin with Valley Christian matching up and Carroll on Thursday. And then Carroll and Orange Lutheran matching up for two on Friday before Valley Christian and Orange Lou played one on Saturday at Valley Christian. Yeah. And obviously we, we talked about the, the two loaded teams there in our power 25, both were at the time top seven teams, Olu number one, Valley Christian number seven. Uh, both are just loaded with division one commits up and down the rosters. Uh, so this was a big matchup that I know when you and I found out about it, we were both pretty pumped about, uh, just getting to see these guys play, but you know, and obviously you sat and watched all of these teams play. Uh, let's talk about some players, uh, that stood out to you first for Valley Christian Coleman Brigman, uh, the 2019 outfielders headed to Santa Clara. What'd you see from him this weekend? Uh, I mean, he's a real athlete. He's a, a stud up in center field. Uh, really good arm out there for center field. Uh, can really run left to right, um, both in and back. Uh, any ball that was really hit out to that area kind of is, is an out. Uh, you know, he goes and covers a lot of ground out there. Um, at the plate, he was really, really good this weekend. Outstanding. Um, he's kind of a spark plug for the offense. Uh, on base 10 times in three games. Uh, the second game against South Lake Texas, or, or sorry, Carroll from South Lake Texas. Um, he won the game with a long double over the left fielder's head, um, runs really, really well. Plus runner down the line four two four three regularly. Um, I had him on a ground ball to the shortstop four one five. I had him on a ground ball up the middle to the second baseman four one four that he beat out. Um, I mean, he's just a stud getting off the line and getting down the, the line to first base. Yeah, just elite speed, right? And, and we talked about uh, having seen me having seen Valley Christian uh, down here last year, and he was one of those guys that you know he came in. We obviously knew about him, but uh, he had a really really strong week. So it sounds like he's off to a good start here uh, in his senior season. On the other side, uh, for Orange Luther, and you saw Max Ratchick, a 2020 infield, a right-handed pitcher. Um, uh, UCLA commit, Team USA alum. Uh, this guy is, you know, obviously number three in our 2020 rankings in the state. Uh, what did you see from him this weekend? Uh, you got to see him a little bit at the plate and uh, on the mound. Yeah, and the fact that he's a top three, I mean, it definitely shows um, both the bat and the and the arm. Uh, you know, to me, he's a future two way player at UCLA. Um, you know, behind or when he was hitting, um, he was really quick with the bat, strength, uh, ability to drive the ball all over the field. Uh, he hit one ball off the left center field wall in game two against Carroll that, I mean, it just missed getting out. And there's a little inlet right there, and it, it got up and out almost quickly. Um, bounce off the top of the wall, easy double for him. Um, but, you know, it's not even just the, the strength in the bat. It's the ability to get the ball up into the air and drive in runs. Um, there's multiple times where 
guys on third base and he would just hit a hard long fly ball drive in the run execute and uh, he's a real team player from that perspective um, on the mound another thing is he just stands out real real well on the mound um, really quick arm deception the delivery um, when I saw him on Sunday or Saturday against Valley Christian he was 87 89 uh, touch 91 a little bit early um, really good angle to the glove side uh, he added a really nice breaking ball sharp early 11-5 bite uh, and then he also brought in his hard changeup, 79 to 83. Um, the breaking ball early was really tight, knockout pitch, strikeouts. Um, as he got a little tired, it got a little loose, worked around it at times, uh, turning it kind of into a little bit more of a slider. But when he needs it for a punch out, it's a, it's a knockout pitch for him. And he was a guy that we both saw at the underclass area code games, uh, you know, and, and we both came away impressed with his outing there. And even that was coming at the end of a, a fairly long summer, actually, you know, was trying to ramp up towards the uh, usa baseball stuff so uh ratchet is is one of those guys in in that 2020 class that is just so loaded in our state and you know, he's up there he's up there near the top but so back over to valley christian 2021 first baseman right-handed pitcher jonathan simrot arizona commit he's a guy that we have ranked pretty highly in that class as well uh you know obviously a guy that can swing it as well as can pitch it uh kind of like ratchet uh in fact similar body structure to ratchet maybe a little bit thicker uh what did you see from simrot this weekend yeah you know actually i think that's a really good body comp for him um, max ratchet and him are pretty similar um one of the things i liked about him is he's thinned out a little bit he's starting to trim up um you know he definitely has future two-way possibilities both on the bat and the hill um at the plate on base eight times over three games um and against carroll he really kind of kept them in the game um you know he drove in four runs in that second game um tied it up in the bottom of the seventh um pitched two and two-thirds innings uh, during that game showing a fastball 81 84 kind of two breaking balls a slider with a little cross plate sweep and a curveball short with late depth um he had feel for both those breaking balls could throw it early in the count get him out and later in the count um there's times where he kind of gets a little around the balls you know causing a little bit of control loss and that's kind of what pulled him out of the game uh, but he's going to be big on the hill for the warriors this year um, both with on the hill and in the middle of that lineup yeah, Simrod is a guy that I think you're right. The two-way possibilities for him are you know, obviously present, and you know it'd be silly to uh, encourage that guy to choose one over the other at this point. And then back over to uh, Olu's side, one of the top 2020 uncommitted arms uh, in the state is Christian Rodriguez. Uh, I mean, this is a guy that you know we've seen quite a quite a few times. Obviously, going back to his freshman year. Uh, but yeah, you know, what did you see from him this weekend? Sounds like he did pretty well uh, for Olu. Yeah, he definitely boosted his stock after that game to, uh, this weekend. Um, XL frame, you know, real long, lean, projectable. Uh, he went 4-2 against uh, Carroll um, in that first game of the matchup. Um, moved through the lineup the first three innings really quickly. Um, quick arm, three-quarter release, easy velocity. Fastball was 88, 89, touch 90. Um, the life was late at the plate, occurring, you know, lots of swing and misses. Um, and he's also not able to keep it straight. It goes, you know, cut glove side, a little arm side run. Um, but the angle was really, really good during that outing. And that's kind of what would set him up really well. Um, it helped them because then he brought in a, cur- a curveball with, you know, depth, bite, uh, 12-6, 12-5 bend. Um, again, another pitch that was missing a lot of bats. And then he's got a third pitch, a changeup that, you know, it's a possibility to be an extra, another, another good pitch for him. Um, keeping it similar arm speed as a fastball, 79-81. 
one of the things I really liked was he was just calm on the mound, pitching out of situations. Um, you know, in the third inning, he had bases loaded against him. Um, and he goes up against the two and three hitters and gets two big strikeouts to kind of get them out of trouble uh, and get the offense right back out there to do some more damage. Yeah, you mentioned it a little bit that on the changeup, I think that when that pitch is working and that pitch is on for him, I mean, he's virtually unhittable, right? Because you talk about the command of the fastball and then, the, you know, the what he shows with the breaking ball. When you mix in that changeup that's just rolling, I mean, it's it's good, good, you know, good morning, good afternoon, good night, is it not? Absolutely. Yeah. The change, he definitely didn't need it a lot because the curveball and the fastball were so good, but when he'd used it, it was very, very successful. Um, getting a lot of swings and misses there with that pitch and some easy contact. Nice. Last guy for, uh, Valley Christian. We want to talk about is 2019 outfielder, right-handed pitcher, Steven Zoback, another two way guy, uh, for Valley Christian. Uh, looks like he had a pretty decent weekend for you too. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that, you know, to me, he looks like a real, real future for right field. Um, power bat, power arm, uh, very projectable, extra large frame, um, current strength in it. Uh, runs well enough. You know, I had him, I think, one time 4 3, 4 4 down the line. Um, chance for possibility to be a two way guy at Cal with, uh, you know, his arm's probably more of a bullpen type of piece. Um, and that's kind of the way Valley Christian uses him. Um, but it's a good arm, too, for him. Um, you know, he definitely put on a show during pregame in right field. Um, at the plate, uh, on base 10 times. Uh, and one of those things that was really impressive about that was most of that was on walks and getting hit by pitches. Um, you know, when his bat is good, uh, it's really going to drive the ball. Um, but if there was times where he was just real patient, let the pitches come to him, didn't like what he saw. Okay, fine. I'll get on base and I'll help the team as much as I can that way. Um, he had really good at bats against Radic all day on on Saturday. Uh, he just missed a double down the right field line. I thought it was a fair ball from where I was, but um, they called it foul and, you know, he crushed it. He turned on it real quick. Um, back gets through the zone really well um, on the hill for, he was in two different games um, on one game against Carroll. He came in for three innings um, and he pumped. He really got, you know, fastball going and that was a cold night. And I mean, he was only 85, 86, but it was hard. 85, 86, uh, real cold night. Um, pumping the fastball kept them in the ball game um, so that they could get some runs late and win that game uh, then he came in late against orange lutheran tried to get some outs to end that game um, wasn't able to do that we got hit a little bit there but um, it wasn't really hard hits it was just some things that made good contact and got into the outfield uh, for them to score a run and win that game um, but yeah his fastball is really good his slider is a little short um, tight type of pitch and then uh, against orange Lou, he broke out a change up with some art and science sync that i really liked i think he's got a possibility to be a two-way player there too uh he's he's one of those guys that we saw at the area code games that, that we both really liked too and yeah i mean when they, when he committed to cal it was just kind of the ideal fit for him right i mean he's he's going to get a chance to get out there and, and really uh, have an opportunity i think to do both at least initially uh before having to settle on one of those positions uh last guy that you saw is a guy that i'm a huge fan of uh you know he's an uncommitted 2019 outfielder uh, Caden Connor out of Orange Lutheran. Uh, we've seen Caden, you know, quite a few times, obviously in league play, uh, but uh, we've also seen him at a few of our events. And he's a guy that just simply—I uh, mean—he shows up. You, you know, when you you talk about guys after watching a game or, or an event, I mean, his name inevitably ends up in the conversation. And it sounds like he uh, he stood out for you this weekend as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. That that thought process you have of watching him daily is really big on me for him. Um, you know, he's the type of guy who everything that you see on him is is good. It's quality type of stuff. Um, you know, he was on base six times in three games, patient, uh, looking to stay in the middle of the bat, showing some quickness at times. Um, you know, during the game against Valley Christian, he got them on the board, a um, little flare double over the third baseman's head, um, then a double steal. He makes it two nothing. Then late in the game, top seventh, he comes up one out um, and gets a fastball right down the middle and crushes it right back through the middle, gets on base, gets them started. And that's what ends up kind of getting them on into the lead uh, for that game in the win. Um, in left field, he's got good range, uh, a strong arm, accurate, really, really accurate. It was one of those things I really was impressed with was every pregame I saw him. Um, I didn't see a ball kind of go offline. It was online. It was through guys' heads. Uh, it was right where it needed to be. And that's the type of stuff that, you know, that's that, that's what most college teams need somebody that can go out there and do that on a constant basis. Um, I know there's a lot of the term must watch daily. I think that's a perfect fit for Caden Connor. Yeah, I agree. I agree. The more, cause the more you watch him, the more you appreciate his tools and his skill sets. And, and, you know, he's a guy, I mean, look, he's, he's, he's not a flashy runner, uh, yet he tracks balls down in the outfield. Like, like nobody's business. Uh, he doesn't hit for a ton of power, but when he runs into one, it's like, okay, you, you know, he's just one of those guys that I don't know. You, you, you always pull for in this business. Uh, you know, you, it looks like you've got another busy week, uh, dialed up this week. Uh, tell us where you're headed this week. Uh, and then this week, weekend. Yeah, so Tuesday I'm going to be at Monte Vista Christian down here in Watsonville. Um, Carmel's coming into town. They've got some good uncommitted players uh, in the 2020 class and then some ranked players in the 2020 and 2021 classes. Um, Thursday I'm going to check out the Mike Hazlitt-Wilcox tournament. Um, that game, Those tournaments going to go all week, so um, who's kind of playing Thursday is going to be based on who's winning Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, probably the same idea on Saturday, pick up some of those games. Um, if not that, I'll probably go check out De La Salle and St. Francis. Um, obviously two really good teams i saw st francis last week I saw de la salle a little bit earlier in the season but when two good teams are matching up it's always good to kind of get a little quick eye on them hey that ball pd francis or pd helping hit out for st francis last week oh my oh pbr bomb squad man that was crushed <laughs> ryan appreciate you coming on man as usual and filling us in on what's going on there in your area uh, we appreciate you coming on and uh, look forward to having you on again next week thanks Les. talking soon Welcome back to the Prep Baseball Report California podcast. I am your host, Les Lukacs. I am pleased to be joined by San Diego area scout Jack Shannon. Jack, a little bit of a crazy week. You had a lot of games planned last week. The weather wrecked some havoc, but uh, you still went in on some pretty uh, uh, high-quality, talented players. Uh, How are you doing, man? I'm doing well. Uh, High school season is uh, in full swing now, and I'm pretty excited about it. Got some good games in last week, uh, starting with uh, LaCosta Canyon and Spencer Jones. Yeah, let's dive right into that. I know that uh, you sent me a text uh, of some of the information and the number of scouts that were there. And uh, it sounds like it was a pretty large scouting crowd in addition to just the home crowd there at LaCosta Canyon. So tell us what you saw from Jones, what you saw from the environment and how you think he did in that environment. Yeah, so I showed up about... 50 minutes early and there was already about 50 scouts there I'd say on the day probably got into the around 60 and uh, we're talking teams of scouts not just area scouts we had national cross checkers west coast cross checkers video guys um, full 
the full deal. And, um, after he was done pitching, everyone shifted down to the third baseline to take video of his left-handed at bats. So it was, it was quite the scene in that regard from a scouting standpoint. And, uh, one of my most, um, impressive, uh, for his performance was the fact that, you know, first start of the season pitching in front of 50 plus scouts. Uh, he looked pretty cool out there. He, uh, I, I made a little, uh, a tweet about it, but he walked out to Tupac's all eyes on me. And I thought that was pretty clever, uh, that he, he had the grit to go out there, walk out to that and, um, and pitch in front of that type of crowd. So I think in terms of a makeup standpoint, um, he definitely checked those boxes, uh, in that start in terms of, uh, performance and stuff wise, uh, I'd say it was about, you know, a B minus B minus start. Uh, his, he was on a 60 pitch, uh, limit and he threw 30 balls and 30 strikes. Um, but he wasn't just throwing, it wasn't all fastballs. He was out there, looked like he had a plan, um, through a lot of, uh, curveballs and some split changes. So he was out there pitching. He was, he was trying to make things happen, uh, in his, you know, he was getting in two O counts and he was still trying to throw breaking balls for strikes. So, uh, being a pitcher myself, I, I like that. I like seeing a, a kid go out there, even though. He doesn't have the great fastball command. He's still trying to work on things. He's still trying to throw his off speed for a strike and and uh, become a better pitcher. So I, I really like seeing that despite not having um, good command of his fastball. But uh, I think it's going to get better as the season goes on, and uh, he's going to he's going to improve a lot from the start. Yeah, absolutely. Being the first start of the year, right? I mean, obviously some nerves and 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 like you, I think that was pretty clever with the with the walkout song there. Uh I wonder if that was his idea or if it was one of his teammates' idea, but nonetheless pretty clever and I, and I like it. And it shows some confidence and it shows some swagger and uh and if there's one thing that I've I've come to learn about Spencer Jones here the last few years is that he has confidence and and plenty of swagger in his game. Uh you know, guy being a guy that pitched area code games you know, I'm sure he's comfortable and, and other big settings, you know, he's comfortable pitching in front of uh, that number of scouts. And I think you're right. The, the, you know, he, he set a good foundation here, even though he didn't have the command of the fastball, you know, he showed that, Hey, I'm going to work on other things here. So every pitch, like you've mentioned is going to be, you know, scrutinized and under a microscope all season long. So it'll be fun to watch his, his progression this spring, you know, moving on throughout the week, you got rained out a couple of days and some muddy fields and whatnot, but over on Saturday, you got to see a couple of, uh, really good players uh one of them being uh, Keone Cavaco who had a pretty big week here for East Lake and a guy who just in following up with some scouts here uh yesterday sounds like he's climbing some boards pretty quickly what'd you see from him on Saturday yeah he was another guy when I showed up to the yard uh 20 plus scouts at least there just to see him and uh what I saw from him was I saw a pro player uh he had he had the swagger he had he had the build, uh, everything about his overall game, the way he took ground balls in between innings, you know, he was quick first step, getting the ball quick and firing it to first. I mean, there was no, there was no lollygagging out there. He was, he was getting after it the whole time. Um, 
very impressive. Uh, just had had pro player in all over him, hitting wise. Uh, first at bat, absolutely crushed a fastball off a Division One college recruit into the gap, and followed that up with another hit uh, later in the game. So overall, just a very impressive game by Keone and um, the scouts were definitely buzzing about about his performance yeah and er- earlier in the week he you know he hit a game tying two-run homer in the bottom of the seventh uh, and a game that ended in a tie against Coronado who's who's a, you know gonna be a really good team this year as well uh, so it sounds like he's just coming out of the gate hot uh, and like you said you know having the the 20 plus scouts there to see him being able to do that in front of those guys uh, you know it's kind of why the why we're hearing what we're hearing about him right that he's just kind of you know blowing up and 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 is climbing quickly uh you know i think for him staying healthy is going to be a a big uh, element to to what he's going to be able to accomplish this year uh and then lastly the guy that uh, you saw on saturday as well uh, lsu commit 2020 shortstop right-handed pitcher jordan thompson out of helix high school He's a guy that we've seen quite a bit the last summer, uh, you know, just through the area code system uh, and a little bit through the club circuit system and tournaments. Uh, you know, he's a guy that you and I were just talking about. You know, does he go as a pitcher? Does he go as a hitter? Uh, he has time to sort that out. But you know, let us know what you saw from him on Saturday. Yeah, I was excited to see him. Uh, mentioned it before that, you know, it's pretty rare for an SEC school, let alone LSU, to come to San Diego recruit a player. So uh, it was cool to get out to see him. And I, you know, I saw, you know, a solid all around player. Um, he just seemed to check a lot of the boxes, you know, about six feet, 165 pounds, room to grow. Um, pretty quick, uh, good arm in the infield. I could see him playing all four infield positions and he's, he's a pitcher. I could, I could see him moving to the corner of the outfield. So, you know, from a recruiting standpoint at LSU, I definitely, you know, I, I put utility next to him with, with pitching as well. So, um, as far as a college player goes, he, he, he seems to have that college look to him. And, you know, I, I watched him taking ground balls in between innings and, you know, he's working on picking the ball nice and smooth, keeping the hands in front. Um, and he's definitely a leader on the field as well. Uh, confidence, um, all that kind of stuff. So he just seems like a very uh, solid all-around college-type player. Right, you know, and, and you talked about, and, and, and when you were describing both Cavaco and Thompson, what you saw, and both these guys are high-level guys, right? Obviously, Cavaco's on the draft boards for this year, and Thompson could very well likely end up there next year. And the one thing that I like that you talked about is those guys were working between innings, right? I mean, they're taking their grounders, you know, for a lot of guys, that's, you know, that's an opportunity to just kind of, you know, get loose and just kind of have a little bit of fun. But these guys are working on things and showing their footwork and showing their arm strength. And, you know, they're actually putting using that time as kind of almost like a practice time in between innings. And, you know, that's really what separates some of these high level guys from, from guys that, you know, that aren't necessarily at that level. Wouldn't you say being a guy who played collegiately and played some pro ball, wouldn't you say that that's really the, the differentiator there? hundred, 100%. I mean, it's all about reps and in game, you might only get two ground balls at short. 
And, um, you better be ready for those, especially when people are watching and, uh, a tip for anyone that's out there listening and, and playing this season high school. Um, I'm, I'm taking a lot of video and especially for infielders, um, it's, you can't just have your video on record the whole time waiting for a ground ball to go to infield. So I'm, I'm the guy out there taking video of you in between innings. So, um, the, the type of performance you have in between innings, uh, likely could end up on, could end up on, uh, my video. So, um, just have those guys taking video of them in between innings, working hard like that and, and showing well, um, looks great on, looks great on video. Yeah, that, that's a great point. And it's something that we've, we've started to do kind of, you know, as in the entire state, because you're right. I mean, a shortstop could get one ball, two balls during a game. Uh, so that in between inning video really helps us kind of uh, break it down even further. Uh, so Jack, you, you know, another busy week coming up, but uh, you've got a really good one on deck for today. Where are you headed? Yeah, I'm heading to Cathedral Catholic. Um, they are taking on Poway. So that's a little bit of a regional rivalry and uh, just a lot of good players in that game. Um, excited to see Trevor Tashinkle at Poway and uh, hoping Jake Rons will be pitching for Cathedral. Um, otherwise, I'll get to see some of their, uh, some of their bats. So definitely a, a really uh, good game to start the week off. And I believe it's getting a little bit uh, later into the tournament that both those teams are in. So um, the game will have a little bit more um, to it. Yeah. Awesome. Jack. Well, again, we appreciate you coming on and, and uh, giving us a recap on those three guys and then a little bit of a preview here for next week. So for uh, Jack Shannon, I'm Les Lukacs. Thanks for listening. We will be back with the next segment here on the prep baseball report, California podcast. Welcome back to the Prep Baseball California podcast. I'm your host, Les Lukacs. I really appreciate this next guest jumping on with us. Uh, Pleased to welcome Alex Lontayo. He's an area scout supervisor for the Chicago Cubs. Uh, He's kind enough to give us some time here just to kind of talk a little bit about scouting. Alex, appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks for making time. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I wanted to get you on the air and just kind of, you know, learn a little bit about, you know, scouting uh, for those people that are interested in hearing, uh, you know, kind of things that differentiate, you know, a a good college player or even a college player uh, between a pro prospect, you know. And but first, let's talk a little bit about your your background as as a player uh, and then kind of how you got into scouting real quick. Yeah, I grew, you know, grew up in Southern California, Um, you know, played high school ball out here and was lucky enough to uh, be a participant in the area code games three different years, um, you know, through the high school, my time in high school. And uh, eventually, as as I got closer to graduating, uh, the recruiting process was a little different and ultimately chose Tulane University um, just to where I was going to attend college. And I was offered a full scholarship there. And, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed the staff. They had come together from different schools. And ultimately when, you know, the, the professional side and dealing with scouts back then, um, you know, it was just a a decision where I, it was a better option for me at that time. And, you know, I I went on a Tulane university and, uh, you know, got my degree from there. And then when I completed school, got an opportunity to play professional baseball, uh, where I played uh, somewhere around seven, eight seasons, and then ultimately hung them up, uh, at around 2005. 
Nice. Yeah, that's that's that going from San Diego. I, I know where you went to high school. Went to we went. We're in the same league. So yeah, uh, going from there to uh, Tulane must have been a little bit different for you, huh? Yeah, it's a, you know, it's an eye opener, but it was a good experience. You know, I made, you know, obviously the teammates uh, that I had and the coaching staff, you know, Jim Sloshnagel is at TCU was one of my coaches there. We had Brian Cleary, who's now a scout, uh, Brian Cooper, who I believe is at Penn State. Uh, you know, I was lucky to have solid coaching staff around us. And then, you know, the the teammates, you know, we had some guys that, that moved on to play professional baseball. Uh, Andrew Friedman, who's the president of the Dodgers, was another teammate. Uh, along with some other guys that are they're scattered around baseball right now so it, it was a good opportunity for me definitely an eye-opener you know coming from san diego and and being in in new orleans just the distractions that new orleans can offer but you know i think uh, it was a good group of guys really looked out for each other and ultimately ended up being a really good experience for me awesome so how much longer after you finished playing baseball and in, in 05 did you think hey man i'm, I'm gonna look at scouting getting into scouting or is it was it something you kind of always thought about uh was it just an opportunity that presented itself i uh, know i had no ambitions to to get into scouting uh, obviously you know as a player uh being in the area codes i had talked to a lot of scouts uh, you know i actually had a really good relationship with dan dixon uh, who's who's been in the area as a as a you know major league baseball scout until recently uh for years um and you know, the, my perception of scouts was completely different. And, you know, when I finished playing, you know, it's hard, hard enough trying to wrap your mind around, you know, the, the, the dream was, was over. And, uh, for me, I just, I try to get away from baseball and I just wanted to, you know, focus on my career post baseball, uh, my family and, uh, you know, in a roundabout way, uh, I got an opportunity through Adrian and Edgar Gonzalez, who were opening a facility out in our area in Eastlake, uh, that asked me to come and, and, uh, you know, basically help with the baseball, uh, pitching side and the development of the program that they were putting together. And, um, you know, I got my hands on Ian Clarkin and Danny Camarena and, uh, you know, several other ball players through there and through that, uh, an opportunity opened up at Eastlake high school. And David Gallegos, head coach there, brought me on as the pitching coach. And it turned out, you know, we ended up having a couple decent arms. And Josh Emmerich, who's now the West Coast supervisor for the Padres, and an old teammate of mine happened to like one of my arms. And uh, just, you know, reconnecting with him, um, you know, he, he saw that, you know, I, I was sort of had, had that fire relit in me to to talk about baseball. I love talking baseball. And uh, I actually started entertaining the idea of getting into player development, um, you know, trying to be a pitching coach. And uh, through a roundabout way, it just the, the timing of it was just uh, I still say it's a huge blessing. You know, Jed Hoyer and Jason McLeod and Jared Madison were leaving the Padres and heading to Chicago, and they happened to call Josh. And, you know, I'm thankful to him because he thought of me as an option to to throw my name in the ring uh, with, with those guys. And he went through the process, and next thing I know, I'm I'm being offered a job to, to scout for the Cubs. That's awesome. I mean, what, what, what a path, right? I mean, you've gone from not wanting to do anything in the game and get away from it to next thing you know, you're scouting a few years later. And I mean, obviously you have Southern California and, and a pretty good area and hotbed for, for talent. And I mean, that's got to make the job at least a little more, um, I guess, bearable because it can get tough, right? I mean, during the summer when you guys are on the road all year nowadays, it seems like, but particularly in the summer when you're kind of traversing states and going city to city right before the draft or late spring. I mean, 
that, that's got to feel pretty good, right? To be in an area where there's so much talent or, or does that make it more challenging? Cause you have to, you feel like you have to get out and see all these guys. It's a combination of both. I mean, obviously you're, we're, we're, we're tasked and, and have a responsibility to make sure that we're, we're seeing the guys that we think have an opportunity to impact the Cubs. So obviously being in Southern California, in terms of just sheer numbers, the talent's everywhere and it's spread out everywhere. So, you know, knowing that from basically Cal State, San Luis Obispo down is just Tom Myers and I that split the the basically the entire bottom part of the state. So there's a ton of area, a ton of players. And, you know, when you're trying to make sure that you're getting eyes on on guys that, you know, you really have to make a decision on it's not easy to take a day off down here. And, you know, you know, for, you know, for your experience, I mean, these guys play a ton of games. I mean, there's really no off season and, you know, talking to scouts in other regions and, you know, these guys are, they're not seeing players in November and December. Whereas, you know, we have tournaments, you can go to Palm desert every, you know, basically it's on our calendar already to go to Palm desert in December to go catch some of the best baseball talent. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a it's a, a blessing because you get an opportunity to really fight for guys. You have a larger number of guys that you can you can try to you know tell a story about, and then it's also a curse because it's really you know if you're if you're competitive and you're trying to do your job to the best of your ability, you, you know you're not taking days off because there's really an opportunity to see a game almost every day. Yeah, no doubt. And, and Alex, we, we were talking a little bit before we came on the air, but what? At what point do you feel that you're able to differentiate a guy from saying, okay, this guy's a pro prospect for the Cubs versus, you know, this guy's going to be a nice college player? Uh, at what point do you kind of make that call? Obviously, you know, on some, it, it varies case by case, but I mean, what's that like? Like, what sort of realization do you come to on a player to be able to say that? You know, there's a there's a lot of different things that we have to take into consideration. Obviously, the, the the primary primary thing that we're interested in is tools. I mean, these guys have to have present tools, but at the same time, have some the the upside and projection to get better. I mean, obviously, they're not they're not polished products. So, especially in this area where you have a lot of really good schools, a lot of these schools that these kids grow up, uh, you know, hearing about and parents went to. You know, these kids have you know, the aspirations of, of sort of following in their parents' footsteps, but at the same time, always wanting to entertain the op- opportunity to play professional baseball, where, you know, we're evaluating these tools um, and then trying to make a determination off of how, you know, how they're going to project. And in that mix, you're trying to establish maturity, work ethic, drive, um, you know, the types of things that are going to be separators once they get into professional baseball and, you know, high school kids in general, it's the makeup, it's the maturity, um, to be able to, you know, walk into a professional clubhouse and interact and mesh with guys from other countries that they're probably not familiar with being away from home. Uh, a lot of different things that we have to take into consideration and, and really just your gut has to tell you that this kid's going to be able to go to that side and be able to compete and at the same point be able to deal with fail, failure. You know, where, you know, if you're not in the Trinity League, I'm not I'm not trying to downplay any of these other leagues, but obviously the Trinity League plays at such a high level at every school that these kids, you know, they're, they're challenged a little bit, whereas some schools that <clears throat> might not be as competitive – uh, some of these kids never fail 
And they're not really accustomed to having to deal with that. Whereas, you know, they're going to walk into professional baseball and there's going to be immediate failure. And that's one of the challenges for us as scouts on the professional side is being able to make that determination. Is this kid mature enough to be able to handle, um, you know, the adversity that professional baseball is going to bring? And at the same point, I'll, you know, work hard enough to be able to get the, the best out of them. And that's that's always a challenge. I mean, that's a challenge of scouting right there is, is we're, you know, we're we're trying to gather as much information as we can and make a determination off of what we think this guy's going to be. Some guys have and check all those boxes and obviously they stay on the radar and the, you can make a case, uh, you know, obviously to 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 try to acquire them. And some guys just, you know, there, there's too many question marks. And, and in those situations, it's it's almost a disservice to those guys to not to fight for them and not allow them to go ahead and mature in a different environment, you know, maybe at a slower pace and allow them to go to school, uh, you know, allow the coaching staffs there to help these guys mature. And, you know, if they really are good ball players, you know, the, the idea of their projection uh, should come into play within those next two to three years. Yeah, it's almost as if maturity on a player is the sixth tool you're looking for, right? I mean, that, that's kind of what I hear from you there is is they play such a big role in the signability of a kid from your end. Uh, you know, you talked about tools and you, and you mentioned gathering information. How much does data, you know, in particular with some of these larger events that you guys see these players at during the, you know, any given, you know, summer, if you will, um, primarily, how much does the data collected on, on that? that sort of event or that sort of platform, if you will, uh, show a uh, case for a player. How much does that play a role into kind of what you guys are doing now, at least, you know, as it trickles down to the high school side, I mean, it's a little more available on the college side, but how much does that play a role for you guys? Um, obviously it helps, you know, and it just depends on when it's collected, how it's collected. Um, you know, the, the high school guys, like you said, it's, it's not as, readily available as a college program that might have, you know, trackmen available. And, you know, you can gather information from these guys, even when you're not in the building, whereas, you know, these high school guys, that's not available. So depends on how you seek to acquire it. You know, sometimes there's, there's pre-draft workouts, you know, obviously area code gives you a glimpse of it, but you have to consider that that's about a year before the draft. And a lot of these kids take that summer information, um, you know, the, the guys that are a little bit more advanced tend to to get their personal trainers in the off season or their own, you know, pitching coaches, hitting coaches or gurus or whatever you want to call them. And and, you know, they make changes. So on the amateur side, especially at the high school level, it's nice to have information, but it really just depends on when it's acquired and how it's acquired, you know, more than anything, just because, you know, you can look back on on guys from the previous summer and say, you know, he he did this or that. And that's, you know, they give you a glimpse of of what you're you're starting to project on. So I don't I, I'm not going to you know go into too much, you know, how we do it, um, <laughs> obviously. But it it is nice to have some information on guys, you know, especially if you're trying to fight and make a story, you know, make a case for these guys. And you have some validation from from, you know, the R&D side or the technology side. It does help. Um, but in most cases, like I said, it's, it's really having to get out 
see these guys um, and, and, and get eyes on them as many times as you can, because you, you know, you're going to run into situations where hopefully they have below or they're facing below. And that's why those matchups tend to have more scouts in attendance because you want to see both sides being challenged. So, you know, the tech technology is nice. Um, but it's something, especially at the high school level that we can't always rely on. Yeah, gotcha. Alex, last question for you, and, you, and you've said it a couple times now, and that's tell a story. How much is it in scouting when you're trying to draft a guy? I mean, obviously, you know, if you're talking about the 1-1 guys or even, you know, a guy a little bit later, how much is it you telling a story? I mean, how deep are the relationships? I mean, you obviously, you get to know these guys, you see them, you talk to them, you interact with them, uh, you visit with them. I mean, how deep are those relationships, you know, to be able to help you tell these stories? Um, I, you know, I think it, it depends upon the player, it depends on the scout. Um, you know, the, the more that you, you believe in a player, the more you want to learn about them, the more time you want to spend with them, the more information you gather on them. And, you know, in doing that, I think the families and the players begin to appreciate that it's not just a business. And, you know, if there if there is a really good relationship established, you know, and you're being honest with them, um, they understand that it's not. You know, you can do all the work in the world and there's 29 other teams fighting for these guys. So, you know, in, in those circumstances and in those situations, you you have to establish, uh, you know, you at least you hope to establish trust between yourself and the family so that they they know, um, you know, especially if they're bypassing college, that they're they're going to be treated the right way, that they're going into a, an organization that truly cares about them, not only as players, but as people. And, you know, I I hope that you know talking to other players or you talk to players that we've had in the past that um you know the relationships that i've established i think are are pretty solid i mean i i i like remaining in contact with the kids especially the ones that you know you you did a lot of work on and you know they they go to other organizations i mean there's relationships and friendships created and you know in the back of your mind even though you didn't draft them you're still pulling for them i mean you want to see these kids uh succeed and you know if it's a college route you hope that the success continues there and then you know you hopefully give your organization a chance to to fight for them again in three years Great, Alex. Again, I really, really appreciate you coming on tonight. This was fantastic. Just a little insight from, uh, you know, professional scouts view on, on some, a couple of different topics there. I really, again, man, thank you a bunch for coming on the air. Um, you know, I appreciate it. And uh, no, no. I, look forward to, I look forward to seeing you around. I'm sure I'll be seeing you out soon. Yeah, obviously. It, it seemed to cross paths all the time. Baseball Report California podcast. I am your host, Les Lukacs. I am pleased to be once again joined by Northern California Scouting Director Blaine Clemens. Blaine, busy week for you. Got out to a bunch of games, uh, ran an event, which we'll touch on here in a bit. Uh, but you got out and you saw Petaluma against Sir Francis Drake. And there was a 2021 right-handed pitcher that really caught your attention. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Gavin Ochoa? Yeah, absolutely. Gavin had a good day uh, in terms of the stuff, what he looked like. Early season game, it's always interesting to see what a guy's stuff looks like coming out of the gate. It can be a good indication that uh, there's even more around the corner as the weather warms up. And Gavin's a 6'2", 185, uh, right-handed uh, sophomore pitcher. Uh, arm works, body's good, stuff is quality up to 87, sat 
yeah, 85, 86, kept touching 87. He would go to it. Uh, really, the draw is not just the fastball and what it's going to be. The draw is that he's got a, a slider uh, that's tight. It's got depth. It's got bite uh, when he threw it at his, at his best uh, in, in the upper 70, 77, 78. It's got a chance, chance to be a plus pitch, I think. Uh, it tends to work a little bit slow out there on the mound, and maybe some of that's just getting through it. As, you know, talent doesn't always equate experience. He's a sophomore. Um, so sometimes these young guys got to find their own rhythm as the season happens. And he faced, faced a solid team from Drake. So, but it was a great look. And, and Drake had a freshman had a really good day named Jonas Salk. Their, their freshman shortstop was four for four. Um, you know, got to look at Petaluma's uh, freshman, Joe Brown, who's high in our rankings in a team USA um, participant and contributor uh, as a freshman on, on the Petaluma team. So it was a great early season game to look at some young talent. And, uh, but I think the standout for me was, was definitely Ochoa. Yeah, then after that, you headed over a little later in the week, and you got eyes on uh, Mona Vista against uh, Sarah, uh, the Junipero Sarah <laughs> High School, as you like to call it, uh, the the big di- the big dog in California, uh, if you will. Uh, there you saw Josh White, a guy that we had seen at the uh, area code games, uh, the underclass area code games last year or last summer, uh, and and you also saw their shortstop that's headed to Pacific. And why don't you tell us a little bit about those two? Yeah, good players, good good high school baseball players who are both going to be very good college players. Uh, there was some there was some scouts in to see them. There was a handful of guys uh, there to get a look uh, on the, on their way to some other games. That's kind of how you do it in scouting, right? You can pop in and see a starting pitcher for three innings. They got him out of the game, and they took off to go likely to head over to a, a college game uh, later in the day. So uh, Josh was solid, uh, 87, 89, three innings of work. Uh, breaking ball upper 70s touching 80 miles an hour it's it's got a lot of tilt it's a hard curveball uh, I'd really call it a power curveball some might call it a slider based on uh, on the velocity but the action he gets on it uh, it's really curveball bite but he's a bulldog he's a competitive kid uh, he's always fun to watch he's a baseball player on the mound and and he his energy and his shortstop teammate Tommy Gavello uh, same kind of energy same kind of bulldog mentality he really likes to play baseball uh, had a had a great Early part of the game, slamming a double to the oppo gap and, and diving headfirst into second base with, again, energy and spirit. And these are fun games to go see when, when a Monta Vista from Danville, who's always in the mix in their strong conference, the EBAL, travels across the water to go, uh, to go into the Sarah and uh, WCAL territory over there in San Mateo and, and play at their legendary ballpark, uh, you know, that Barry Bonds used to, to hit at. You know, Tom Brady was on those fields too last, so. You know, it's it is the Sarah, but uh, <laughs> but but to see these inter- intersection good matchups are just fun to go see because they don't happen a ton, uh, given the, the the nature of sections in California. It's and it's fun to see teams take on challenges like this and willing to go play somebody else and get on the road and go challenge themselves. So it was a fun game to watch. And Sarah's got some good players to watch. Uh, they're a little bit more inexperienced than previous years. Uh, they went with a senior right-hander, an uncommitted kid named Julian Rodriguez. So uh, he did a fine job. He was up to 86. So he's a name to put on the radar for colleges that are still sniffing around for pitching. Yeah, you talk about those intersectional uh, games. We had a, another one in San Jose that Ryan and I talked about, you know, Orange Lutheran making the drive up to San Jose to play uh, face off with Valley Christian and getting the best of those guys. So it is always exciting just because, 
you know, different parts of the state play the game a little bit differently. You know, they're so guys, accurate. Yes. You know, some guys rely on athleticism, whereas other guys, you know, rely on fundamentals. It's just, it's just, you're right. It's, it's a lot of fun, but to wrap up the week, you, uh, you hosted, uh, the, uh, first of what will be several junior future games trials. And for those listening that aren't familiar, the junior future games trials serve as a, uh, essentially a tryout for team California, uh, to participate in the prep baseball report, future games and junior future games, which will be held this year at Lake Point in Georgia. Uh, and last year there were uh, over 250 colleges and pro scouts at, at the event just to kind of get eyes on, on, on the future games players and the trickle down effect obviously is getting eyes on the junior future games players. Uh, but, you know, tell us a little bit about the event, Blaine, uh, you know, what kind of purpose it serves and, and, you know, how it went for you. It went great. You know, our, our events are always fun. We get to sometimes see new kids we've never come across before, meet new groups of people. But this one in particular, being seventh and eighth graders, was was fun. It really struck me as, as something unique because my own son is uh, he'll be 13 here in about two weeks, and he's a baseball player. And so as I'm out there with these these 20 plus young players and and taking them through what we do for a living in, in, in terms of our showcasing. Um, it's just an interesting perspective to see how they go about it. And, and it's our opportunity, Les. I think we have a great opportunity and responsibility within within the scope of what we do of, of educating young players and their parents of, of what they're getting into, uh, of what they can get out of it, and how to go about it. So as I explained to the moms and the dads as the players were warming up, you're here for an opportunity to, like like, like you said, make Team California and go back and and be part of the, the Futures games uh, that will run concurrently with the Juniors Futures games and, and be a part of that really big, exciting, uh, vibrant environment um, that people can feel that juice flowing through their bodies. Um, and I tell the parents, but beyond that, you know, if your son doesn't make, make Team California, and there's only going to be a handful of kids across the state as, as we you know, dip our toes into the water uh, of, of, of PBR's you know, um, bug light event, is that they're also in a showcase, and they're learning how to go about this. They're learning how to... Uh, make their way through it. They're learning how to know what their heartbeats like and how they feel and, and how to show their strengths. I often talk to kids before a showcase about, you're all different out here. Each one of you has strengths and weaknesses that are different from the guy standing next to you. And it's important to understand, this is a, really the main point I usually make, is that it's important to understand who you are in the game. So if you're a person that has some power in the bat, you got to find a way to show show it a little bit in the exit velocity and in the BP session. And if you're a contacts-oriented speedy guy you need to find a way to, to show that in your rounds and, in, and as you run um if you're not a big arm in the infield you gotta have a you know learn how to develop that quick release uh so just that every player is different so uh they're being evaluated in a showcase even though it has a trials aspect to it but the the main the main component is is you are being evaluated you are putting your tools and your skills on display to be videoed to be um uh recorded um, and it starts up and for these young seventh and eighth graders as less as you like to say they're in our ecosystem now they're they're at a spot where we've seen them beginning and we'll see them down the road uh, maybe once a year sometimes maybe more than that sometimes and we'll have a baseline to see how they've progressed and how as they've evolved uh, as players and, and and go after their future goals whatever they might be yeah you're 100 percent right i mean we are in a fortunate position to where we can follow these guys for you know four or five years in some cases and you're right in addition to all of you know the futures games and the junior futures games it really opens the door for our invitation only events uh so kids you know will now have been seen by us we will have a scouting report and video and all that other internal information that we use when we decide on you know these invite only events it's you know it certainly is helpful for us we 
if we already have notes and you know maybe a video on a particular player to kind of take a look at that uh, you know rather than having to rely on the word of others uh, you know we prefer to rely on what we've seen internally on players so it's it's a really great opportunity for these young guys who you know, most of them will have the vision of playing collegiately or if not professionally, and it just gets them an opportunity to get in like what we say is, you know, our ecosystem and, you know, start that process. And I really like what you said there is, you know, educating moms and dads on what it is they can expect, because, you know, as I am beginning this route with my own son here, just playing mm -hmm. baseball for the first time, you know, you've been in it now for a number of years. Uh, it's, you know, there's a lot of information coming at parents and you don't know what is important, what is not. And so, you know, we really kind of take pride in, in being that resource to where we can provide provide, you know, unbiased, clear-cut information uh, to parents. I mean, I've heard you say it, and I've said it a number of times to parents, you know, you don't need to be at this event. Uh, it's not going to do your son any good to be at this event. Uh, because if a, if a player is at a, a quote, you know, elite level, uh, end quote, uh, you know, then they don't need to particularly need to showcase themselves at every event, you know, under the sun. Uh, some kids choose to do that, um, you know, but it's not really necessary. If scouts know who you are pro scouts i'm referring to those guys know who you are uh, you know you can be pretty selective uh in what you're going to do uh you know that but if you're starting out you know it probably doesn't hurt you to get in front of a, as many eyes as you possibly can so we're you know potentially you could reach that level yep for sure for sure it's fun it's fun and that's you know that's the fun the, the word that really comes at to encapsulate you know our chat here is that these young guys are out there and they're having fun. They're still having fun with baseball. They're nervous, but they're still having a lot of fun with the game at this age because they are, they're naive still. They're, some of them aren't even 13 yet. They're 14 years old. And so they're still enjoying it. And, you know, for those that are listening that have young players, whether they're freshmen or they're seventh or eighth graders, just there is a lot of information. There's a lot of misinformation. But ultimately, at the end of the day, this game is played with joy. It's played by kids who enjoy playing it. Um, and that's, I, I know that I always take pleasure from being around kids. And then when they come up and they pop your fist at the end of the day and they say, thanks coach. And they laugh and they smile, you know, I take the headshots of the kids and I always try and get them to smile and say, Hey, college coaches like to see kids that smile and not, not have that hard look on their face all the time. Like it's a game and these are kids. So it always energizes me uh, to be around them. And uh, remember, you know, while we got in this thing, we, we enjoy baseball. We love watching kids enjoy baseball. So that's, that's a big takeaway for me always. Yeah, that's that's the at the end of the day, if you're not having fun, you're 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 not going to be in this game very long, whether it's on the field, coaching, you know, or doing what we do. Right. Uh, if you're not having fun and enjoying it, uh, you're not going to be around very long. Uh, Blaine, really appreciate you jumping on board. Uh, thanks for making some time for me as usual. Uh, so for Blaine Clemens, uh, I am Les Lukacs. Until next time, we'll see you at the yard. Oh, <laughs>